You're listening to 353rd. I'm Anders Bramworth. I am Scott Barstow. Scott, how are things? How's North Carolina? North Carolina is cold today. It dropped the temperature dropped by about 20 degrees overnight. Wow. It's supposed supposed to get cold here tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that because I was going to go on one of my epic runs. Yeah. Uh, Basically 20k plus are my epic runs. And yeah, I'm looking forward I, I to don't it. Know, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the U.S. we measure miles. No, I have miles. no idea. Yeah. No, I never saw so Stop trying to be your, you know, European snob <laughs> self. 20K, baby. So speaking of runs, yeah. yesterday you bought the domain 353rd.com finally. I did. You shamed yeah. me into it. Yeah, well, it, 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 it was deservedly so. <laughs> So, yeah, so we've always had, uh, for those of you that haven't listened to the show a lot, we, we've always had 350-third.com. And Anders yesterday put in an offer for, day, a couple of days ago, put in an offer for 353rd.com and bought the domain and was fretting over $13 in, uh, in the increase of the bid cost. And it was, uh, it, it, it just was one of those things. You got to cut her brother a break? Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> I just can't do it. Well, I, it's just a matter I know of principle. There's the princi- yeah. I know there's the principle, which is yeah. strong. Yeah. I so. offered, so I offered, and they said, no, it's you know $13 more. And they said it so quickly, and it aligns so evenly on a percentage boundary that I was sure it was an algorithm. I'm sure it was. So I, I just have a problem with you know blanket responding with an algorithm puts it up a few more percent. So. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting that you talk about the algorithm doing the auto respond and all of that because the uh, the what I came across this week was an article uh, published in the Atlantic on the network effect. Yeah, and uh, the network effect and its uh, and its impact on our daily lives. And uh, the article is a pretty thought provoking article, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the one of the premises in the article is, and it's not. Um, you know, this isn't uh, rocket science by any stretch, but the fact that the velocity of the network effect is increasing as as you know people get more and more connected, things happen quicker. And you know, he uses the uh, the stock bubble and the mortgage bubble as uh, sort of negative. Uh, negative outcomes of this increased connectedness, the fact that machines can make trades at a pace, you know, in in the case of the stock market, machines can make uh, trades at a pace that obviously we couldn't have done if we were still passing paper around uh, market floor. And so you've got all of these automated trades and you've got people that, you know, set up automated responses to those automated trades and the whole thing can go so quickly, either positive or negative. And typically the, Big moves are negative. Mm-hmm. Um, that that it is, uh, and I guess in this author's uh, opinion, it is a it is having a negative impact on society. The pleasures and perils of the instantaneous feedback loop yes. is basically it. And and so he's 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 overly pessimistic in this. This is a, an article in the Atlantic uh, that you had brought up. Well, there's a the link to it on three fifty third dot com. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so as I understand, I mean, you you didn't exactly agree with where he went with this. Now, I get the point. 
I mean, yeah. uh, so uh, I, there are a couple of things that I really disagreed with. One, that the network effect creates uh, monopolies just – so I, and he used Facebook and, uh, and Google as the, as the sort of the uh, standard bearers for his argument. And I guess my thought is um, Facebook is not – to me, a monopoly is uh, either – you know, you can make the case that Windows had a monopoly back in the 90s. It certainly doesn't today. And, uh, and certainly – but monopolies were born of a day when, you know – you had these uh, giant industries, indus- industrial tycoons. Yeah, the that, robber barons. Yeah, the robber barons yeah. that took control of an entire industry, and it then the barrier to entry was so significant. Yeah, that you couldn't get in. Uh, so mean, it, know, whether it was oil or railroads or whatever it was, yeah. you had this. The barrier to entry was so high, and not only that, but they were obviously uh, heavily. I'm sure they were just as it happens today. I'm sure they were deep into the politicians' pockets to make sure that their interests were protected. And I guess my point is that all that ha- all that needs to happen for Facebook to not have you know 750 million users is for there to be something better yeah well, and the same is same is true of Google like what's what's I agree what's keeping you with Google search just the fact that you go there to search for something I mean right. Gmail is a different story but Agreed. you know their 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 flagship property is advertisement on search and that's you know that's yeah, where they make all their money. You, you go there because you want to. There are other options for you, but they are the, just the best. That's right. And I think, so you know, there were, yeah, I, I think that uh, all it takes is, and granted, it would, I'm not saying that that would happen overnight, but somebody could come, with, come up with a better idea of how to manage. I mean, Facebook was just an idea. It well, was launched out of, you know, somebody's dorm room and there's something better that's going to happen and it'll happen in the next two to three years. Well, better, the- you know, better idea or not, it doesn't necessarily just have to be that. Let's say they dealt with privacy better. Yeah. Like, that's for, right. you know, Facebook and certainly Google, I mean, there, there you go. I mean, it could even be a worse product, you know, not yes. quite as, as good. Yeah. And, and you would still, it could still steal market share. Yeah. So I guess that, so that was, that was one of the things that I disagree. I don't yeah. think that, uh, I think the age of the monopoly is is probably has gone the way of the union. Quite frankly, yeah, uh, I just don't I don't see it. The two kind of died together, in my opinion, because oh, interesting. Um, you know, you the unions were formed because you had these companies that abused their employees and sort of were all powerful, and and uh, you know you everybody had to go to work in a factory, and when you had to go to work in a factory. If the conditions weren't right, you know, you could lose your hand or something like that, and the company would just go find somebody else, right? They didn't yeah. really care. And um, so I guess the the whole thing, the whole article just smacked of being, uh, you know, fear-mongering, and I just didn't agree with it. And yeah. so, that was, so that was one point. Yeah. And I think I, the other one that I, uh, that I sort of latched onto that uh, I thought was pretty interesting was this idea that um, the global, the fact that you can hire, and you and I have talked about this before, that you can hire somebody, you know, there's some uh, guy in China making iPhones and he's making 300 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And this guy was, as far as I can tell, arguing that that is a negative effect of either globalization or this network effect where you can manage somebody across the world just like they are in a building next door to you. Uh-huh. And 
And I guess I have a fundamental disagreement with that as a premise, that the fact that the U.S. has, has lost or is losing low-skill, um, low-paying uh, low jobs I, yeah. I guess I feel like you know there are those that say, well, and uh, and it's still ingrained in even the pol the political talk. You've got this, you know, Obama will go out on the stump or whoever, you know, the politician is and talk about jobs for ordinary Americans. And I guess he means people that you know used to put rivets on car doors or something like that. Yeah. And I guess um, my opinion is that you. Uh, you know, the losing those jobs while temporarily painful, certainly. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not certain, I'm not discounting people, you know, the effect of people being out of work. And yeah, all there's, that there's suffering involved. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question, but it is, uh, it feels like we're going through an adjustment where we've just got to get through it. We've got to adjust, probably adjust how we educate people. Well, that's not a probably. We do need mm -hmm. to adjust how we educate people. And why not allow, why not think about it as a way to say, look, we can, yes, we lost the job that pays the guy, you know, $2,000 a month to put rivets indoors. But with a little bit of training, that guy can make $48,000 a, a year, you know, doing creative design on Photoshop or something. Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's, um, yeah, there's I, that. There's that. And but here's the other thing. Like, what about the the guy in China who otherwise would have gotten zero dollars a year? Yeah. Now he's making you know his three hundred a month or whatever the number is. It's not high by our standards, but it it still is raising the general uh, uh, you know experience of of a human on the planet Earth. Why do we have to you know say U.S. versus China in this respect? I mean, yeah, you I do don't, if you're I, a yeah. politician, right? Sure. Yeah, you but, do. Absolutely. You know. And you know, you know that I've worked with guys offshore for probably six or seven years. Sure. Yeah. And and that's always been a fundamental argument argument of mine is why people will say, well, why would you hire somebody in Russia when you can hire somebody in the U.S.? And my yeah. response has always been, why not? Sure. Why does why if they are as good or better? And a lot of times they're better technically, and um. And the, and I can pay them a great wage for over there, and the fact that it's less for me that's great for me, right? Sure. It's great for me. I don't have to pay U.S. wages. It's great for me as a business owner, but it also raises the standard of living elsewhere on the planet. And those guys now have money in their pocket that they use to buy iPhones or you know whatever that things that are made in the U.S. or maybe they're not even made in the U.S. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, sure. Um, but the, the, the seedy underbelly of this, of course, is the worker that's that's trying to, you know, work out his, his, his fifty years of of time in, in whatever plant and he feels for whatever reason that this has been owed him or he's at least owed a decent job if he can, you know, work and yeah. do his do his thing. So now he's I mean, all he sees is the negative side of this. He yep. doesn't care about some guy on the other side of the world who used to make less than a dollar a day is now making, you know, a few dollars a day. I mean, that's a that's a huge win for that guy on the other side of the world, but it's it, you know, doesn't help him at all. It only lost his job. So he sees it sure. very very differently. So, yeah. you know, you can that sort of seedy underbelly of the problem here is something that should be nudging people to what I would argue would be a higher level of of work that they're doing so that it's a lot more 
you know, takes your mind or, or relies on something that, that you're, you're culturally much better at. Um, yep. creativity or that, or that you just up. have access to the marketplace that's um, true too you've yeah. got direct access to the western marketplace which is still infinitely better than you know the chinese marketplace or whatever it is you know take your pick the indian marketplace or whatever those countries obviously come a long ways but in yeah. terms of access to you know being able to create a product and have people with money in their pocket to buy it i mean there's really not a better place to be yeah and so, still so, so 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 talk to me though about the the major premise of this article about uh, how this this really quick feedback loop is overtly negative or positive or whatever you know certainly in the in the case of high frequency trading there you see a lot of alarmist statements about how high frequency trading is such a you know horrible thing because nobody could ever keep up with a computer and all this kind of thing but doesn't it I mean, and it does take advantage of, I mean, you know, computers will will buy and hold and then sell something all in less than a second. But you could, I mean, they're, and they're, they're monopolizing on um, tiny little opportunities that happen intra-second, which is not sure. something that a human is going to be able to do. Sure. Uh, so, so why is that, though, a bad thing? Why, it in my mind, I do see it as supplying liquidity to a market that would otherwise be illiquid. And I do understand like algorithmic problems or, or you know, extenuating circumstances which make the computers drive something way down that, that really shouldn't be in reality. But, uh, well, and we've seen that, right? In the last yeah. – you had these companies that you know, weren't doing anything different today than they were doing yesterday but you know the algorithms get on a roll and start you know tanking a company's stock yeah they start fighting with each other and and you know the problem is right now we there's no clear um uh you know study been done or, or there's no clear answer out there as to why exactly that happened and uh you know what kind of controls may or may not be able to be put into place there there's a possibility that you really can't effectively put a control in place and then the only thing you have to do is kind of limit the the trading which seems yeah. manipulative <laughs> right at, at the uh outset exactly exactly so, yeah yeah I don't, I don't know i think the uh so there was a couple other things i wanted to get to in this yeah. article one was uh he he makes the statement in this article that the amount of information and that the internet in particular is a um, is a vehicle for creating silos is the word that he uses and huh. they, and he goes on to talk about that you know his example is liberals listen to NPR and conservatives listen to Fox yeah. Fox News and that it uh, because you can get any amount of information on the topic that you feel strongly about that it, you are more inclined to become uh, I guess more pigeonholed or more uh, restrictive in your views, rather than considering, you know, other people's viewpoints. And he he makes this this argument that people are becoming more extreme in their political views because of the access to the internet and things like that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think so at all. I uh, to me, uh, you know, there are many many more choices now. I. I I do see some very siloed choices with, you know, very, very conservative or very liberal, for example, but I see a much wider field. I mean, you know, 
look back in the day, basically blogs were, uh, you know, pamphlets that were printed up and handed out. You know, yep. they're the things that were photocopied out at the at school. You know, you would make a school paper, whatever, it was just a photocopy. You know, like so. So it's not like there wasn't a. You know, there's just a lot more uh, uh, diversity of opinion and a lot more uh, out there. And you know, there this whole. Uh, Firehose has been unleashed because the um, medium, rather than being the constrictor, is now just a wide open, you know, sixteen lane highway right into your house. So yeah. I see that that you know you could you know become an even more avid stamp collector or something innocuous uh, as as a possibility. But I I don't see the I mean, man, maybe we're too early in the in this game, but I don't see the the um, you know the the terrible swings because if you look back at history, especially uh, earlier uh, in the 1900s in in the United States, the, it, it was basically a you know extreme one side versus extreme the other side, and what I see nowadays is much more middle of the road. For example, it was you know complete laissez-faire capitalism whatever happens happens and yeah. versus outright you know basically stalinism like yeah. crazy yeah. communism you know that was the landscape i mean it it to me now in the united states i feel like we're there's really not a lot of separation here not like that i don't know what do you think yeah i think uh my opinion is uh, my opinion is that the uh, much like yours that the uh, you know the fact that anybody can publish, uh, whereas you know whereas you know 25 years ago you had to have a newspaper column to write an editorial, today you just need you know WordPress. Yeah. And uh, and also I think this the the ability to, I mean I, I guess my disagreement with the article is it isn't. The amount of information, or the fact that there's lots of it uh, that might partic- uh, that might support a particular point of view, that makes you ignorant and siloed. It's the fact that you're ignorant and siloed that makes you <laughs> ignorant and siloed. Yeah, it's not. It's not the. Uh, and so there's nothing fundamental that's changed to make no. people. No, yeah. I think you, you yeah. can feed your appetite. It, yeah. Much easier, and I think that's when I agree with that part of it. That if you want, you know, if I believe that, uh, you know, that America should. Um, uh, should go to a flat tax system, and I believe it so strongly that, you know, or I believe that uh, we shouldn't use credit cards, and we should all put money in our mattress and go live in Montana. Um, if I can find probably a hundred thousand people on the internet that feel the same way as I do and feel strongly about it, yeah, and and I can you know I can get into a fairly insidious um, sort of death death spiral on a particular topic very easily. Yeah, and so I think that part of it is true. What I don't agree with is that if you have the desire to be open to other people's ideas, I think this is a great time to sure. be alive. Yeah, because there's never been yeah. there's never been a time where I couldn't find I could find a viewpoint on anything right now. Yeah, and I could probably find a hundred thousand people that feel the same way about anything. Yeah, sure. um, uh, you know, and, and the thing the thing that I look at, you just have to look back a, a few years and look at all the the um, different uh, uh, cults or whatever that have sprung up and different, you know, leaders that, that 
you know, profess that they're God or whatever, and, and they have their bunch of followers, and it always ends in some tragic gun battle or fire or, or everybody commits suicide. It's horrible. Yeah. So why is, I don't see that as any different back then as today. Like, that's, that's your decision to, to, to go into that or, or, you know, kind of wall yourself off from any other exactly know, thing. So, yeah. yeah it's like it's a, it's a cult of thinking, not – not just not, then, not a question of availability. A, yeah, and then carried to its extreme, it yeah. carries itself out in living in cults, right? But it's I can have a a cultish way of thinking about the world without you know being in a cult or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I thought the last thing that was pretty that was pretty interesting. He mentions the mortgage thing uh-huh. um, in here as well, where you had this you know this run up of optimism from 2002 to 2007 where home prices you know went through went crazy yeah. and um and you know as another sort of example of what can happen and i think the i guess the disagreement that i had there and i may be missing this guy's point completely but i just i guess i felt like you know the the mortgage problem if you read the book the big short by michael lewis you'll realize that there were uh, that you had these guys inside major U.S. banks yeah. that were coming up with these financial instruments to make the bank just scads of money. And they knew, all of them knew what they were doing. And it was borderline criminal, probably was criminal. Yeah. It, it was criminal certainly in, in uh, you know, in practice, in, in philosophy, if not in, even if there weren't laws against it. And furthermore, these guys knew that there was, they, they would face, probably face no penalties or jail time or anything like that. So I guess my thing is that run up was fueled by, you know, unchecked greed at the bank, at mm-hmm. these banks. And then uh, furthermore, I mean, there's nobody holding a last time I checked, there was nobody holding a gun to the head of the US consumer forcing them to buy their next house that they couldn't afford. Yeah. And so it's like he sort of abdicates personal responsibility and just says, Oh, well, because because you the the computers and the network made it so easy, uh, there was this uh that was the reason for it. And I feel like it facilitated it, but it yeah. certainly wasn't the un, the cause was something much more moral than um, than just you know the fact that there was this network effect in place. Agreed, and that's exactly the point. So it's not it's it's so while while there is a new and much much wider landscape, humans are are still uh, you know ethically as across the board as as they they always have been. Yeah, and it will be that way. Long, it was that way long before you and I got yep. here, and it'll be that way long after we're gone. Yeah. And I and I feel like in a hundred years, you know, there'll be some other thing, and there'll be some, the next guy saying, "Well, this is you know, human society is doomed because of this thing, whatever that thing is." When you know we're pushing up daisies, yeah. and uh, and it'll be the same argument, and it'll be the same tired argument. Yeah, uh, it's just people, you know, there's innovation. Innovation happens. It always will. It's the. It's we're progressing. We're evolving. However you want to say it, and uh, there will be. We're going to stub our toe along the way. But historically, I don't think the in, the invention of the internet is any more significant in the course of human history than the invention of the wheel or the railroad or the car or anything. All of these things are monumental in their time, and then uh, as time fades, they become less and less monumental. Yeah. Well, but kudos to uh, 
Bill Davidow, who who wrote this article for uh, for going out there and and uh, you know kind of having having this uh, sort of different viewpoint. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, spawn some very interesting discussion. All right. Well, so then till next week, I guess uh, we will um, we will keep on keeping on now with uh, without the dash in the middle, and yeah. uh, we'll see you then. All right.